Welcome to a brand new edition of the Service Design Show podcast. And this is an exclusive episode on the podcast because today we're going to talk about the Service Design Salary Report. And I'm going to do that with Lynn Wizard. Hey, Lynn. Hey, Mark. Good to see you or hear you back on the show. You've been a guest. Do you remember on which episode? Oh, mm. it was 90 something, I think. 92. I uh, looked it up this morning. So uh, it's, a, it's a revival of uh, previous guests uh, on the show. We are going to talk about the service design salary report, are you? right? Yeah, that's right. How did we get involved? In, no, before we get into that, what is the service design salary report, Lynn? Ah, great question. Um, so, Mark, you and I worked to collect salary data from service designers across the world. Um, so it sounds like we'll maybe get into it, but we sort of collaborated because we saw a need to gather data and information on, you know, how much do service designers make? How much money That's do service designers question, make? That's a big question, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. How much can I earn? Is it really an interesting career to pursue as a, as a service designer, will I will I get rich? And if so, how rich will I get? Uh, that's <laughs> rich what we beyond your wildest dreams, yeah, Mark. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that's uh, that's what we try to do with this uh, salary report. It's um, uh, it was on my uh, to do list for over half a year when uh, I started uh, service design jobs uh, next to the service design show. Uh, together with Daniela back then, uh, we already had the idea of doing a salary report and then life got in the way and it got sort of on the uh, drop down on the to-do list. And then you reached out to me and said like, hey, I think this might be interesting. So I said, sure, let's uh, let's give it a go. And then it was, I think, the start of November when we put out the survey to collect the data, right? Yeah, that's right. Um and actually, I had sort of heard from someone who asked, hey, you know, what is the salary range for service designers worldwide? And I thought, oh, I don't really know. You know, I don't know if there's great data. And that was when I reached out to you and said, hey, Mark, why don't we do this? Why don't we actually gather this data? And like you said, it was pretty fast. We uh, I think we started talking maybe in October and we had a survey up and out the door start of November. Yeah. And that was also one of our uh, uh, agreements that we said we're going to get it out fast and we're going <laughs> to make this like uh, uh treat it as a prototype a first iteration we're go not going for perfect we're going uh we're going for done and uh how do we call it a first i think you i think you came up with it was awesome minimum viable survey that, that was it yeah the minimal viable survey so we eventually settled for just seven questions to keep things as simple as possible and to um to at least have something uh to talk about right yeah, for sure. And actually, I'm, I'm really proud of that. I think uh, it was a great prototype and we mostly kept to our word of just done is better than perfect and getting something out the door. And it's super satisfying to be here, you know, a, a month and a half later and actually have this big data set to have, you know, this analysis that we've done and the insights. So I'm really excited that we were able to, to stay true to that and push something out. And, uh, you know, of course, room for iteration and improvement in the next the next iterations as that, that's a nice thing there's always room to improve but you at least have a have a starting point i realized that i haven't even mentioned where people can find the report if you're listening to this uh you can find it if you go to servicedesignjobs.com slash salary report and there's a dash 
between salary and report. So it's not servicedesignshow.com, but servicedesignjobs.com slash salary report. It's, uh, it's totally free. Uh, we're not charging anything for this. This is uh, public domain data. We want to contribute this uh, back to the community so that everybody benefits. We were talking about who might be uh, interested in this in in this salary report, like people who are looking for a job. That's obvious, but we also had some other groups. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think one we talked about was. Um kind of related to job searchers, but, you know, career transitioners, uh, lots of people curious about um, curious about careers in service design and tr transitioning to service design. And so I think this might be a good a good data set for those folks. I think folks who are hiring also might be interesting. You know, are my are the salaries we're offering competitive? Are they at market rates? Who else do we talk about? I think those were the most important uh, groups, uh, especially people who are transitioning. And of course, people who are starting out, like uh, the junior positions, they will be probably very interested in this. We have data from over 50 countries. I think it's the latest score was 53. Um, when we were doing this, we already realized that it doesn't make a lot of sense to compare between countries. The, uh, costs of living are completely different and uh, tax rates and benefits are completely different. So um, it's mostly useful to compare the data within your country uh, when there are enough data points. For sure. And I think salary data is, of course, a really important tool if you want to negotiate, you know, within your current role or if you want to assess whether the compensation you're getting currently is fair. So I think that's also a really important point, especially for some of the countries where we got more responses and have larger data sets. Hopefully we're starting to equip people with that um, important information if you are going into a, some kind of negotiation, either for a new role or within your current role. So I'm excited about that because I know I always talk to people about Go out and look at comparable roles and salaries. Equip yourself with that information and put yourself in the best possible position to negotiate. And I do think that uh, when people use this to negotiate salaries, you, you you do have to be really mindful about how many data points are there. Like if there are just five people in your country who contributed to this report, uh, I'm not sure how reliable that would be and how useful that would be for a uh, uh, salary negotiation. Uh, so just be be mindful about that. Yeah, great point. So we already said a little bit about why we did it. Uh, and I was also thinking that one of the reasons why I was interested in collecting this data is that I think a, a field that matures should have a salary report. So when I look at a field like uh, UX, they have a salary report. A lot of fields have a salary report, and I think it um, attributes to the maturity of the field. Uh, and for me, that was one of the big reasons why this report should should be here. Totally. I think I felt the same. You know, the time is right. There is a lot of interest and excitement. You see more and more, at least here in Canada, you know, service design specific um, job postings. And it felt like it was a really good moment to, to equip the community with this information. And like you said, as the field matures, as there are more people doing these roles, uh, it's important that we're collecting this data and that we have kind of benchmarks to work from, even if still early days in some places and small data sets. But uh, 
yeah, I'm super excited that we're kind of at a point as a field where we can have this. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we need this. This, again, uh, contributes to the credibility uh, of the entire service design uh, spectrum. Maybe it would be fun to go into a few um, findings. And of course, uh, I invite everybody who's listening to just browse through the data set and look for yourself. Uh, it's really, we used uh, a tool called Google Data Studio to visualize the data, make it accessible. Uh, it's a really fun tool uh, and it allows a lot of flexibility in what you can actually find in the data set. Yeah, and Mark, actually, kudos to you because I thought this was a super cool idea. I think I had been very attached just based on, you know, my existing mental model of salary reports often being a, a PDF or some kind of downloadable report. Um, and early on, Mark said, well, you know, why don't we actually make this data more available and accessible in an interactive format so that people can play with it, can customize what they're looking for, can ask questions and filter the data set themselves. And I thought this was just super genius, right? It's it's much more interesting and exciting. It's much more dynamic. Um, and so if you go to the report, you're able to do that. You're able to play around with the filters. You're able to look at the data set through a bunch of different lenses. So mm. I thought that was a super cool idea and a little bit different from the salary reports that I've seen out there. And it's also a little bit selfish uh, from my perspective because otherwise we would have uh, thought about which charts for which country for which combination. <laughs> yeah. Like there are, there's an endless number of visualizations that you can make. And if we would have had to put that in a PDF, uh, we would still be doing that. So this makes it very, very flexible. You said something about uh, filters, which. Uh, filters that we eventually introduce? Yeah, so we've split it up um, in a couple of different sections. And the first one is looking at, you know, who responded to the survey. And so here you can filter by country and you can select the country. So I've got it set to Canada right now. Um, and I can see that there were 68 respondents in Canada. And if I set those charts to Canada, then I get to look at, okay, what was the distribution by gender, by position? You know, are these folks in-house or agency side or, or freelance? Um, by work experience and job title. So that's kind of the first set and you're able to filter by the country, which is really nice because it allows you to kind of drill down to your country or a country you're interested in and then see who responded. Mm, yeah, and it, it, we also said we don't want to make this into a report that says something about the service design community in a country because essentially this is about salary data. But you could extrapolate a little bit, um, uh, yeah, and get an overview of how the service design community in your country looks. Totally. And I think a pattern from, from my explorations in the data, a pattern that seems to hold true that's interesting to me is that there is generally more women um, than men. And then it was also interesting to see folks who responded who had different gender identities. So uh, nice to see that coming through in the data as well. Uh, but predominantly looks like a lot of women identified folks in service design. Um, and that seems to be true across different countries, which is yeah. interesting to me. Yeah. More, more women seem to at least more women reply to the report. That's yeah. uh, that to the survey. That's that's the conclusion uh, that we can draw. Um, so people can filter by or select the data by 
job titles, by the years of experience, by position, through which we mean, are you an in-house service designer? Do you work at an agency? Are you freelancing? Are you doing something else? And they can break it down into by gender, right? That's uh, that. Those are the main categories. Yeah, that's right. Um, let one one uh, topic that often comes uh, up is the gender gap. Like, is there a difference in salary between men and women? Um, what does the report say? What what does what does the data say, Lynn? Yeah. Um... So this one was fascinating to me. Also, you know, a bit disappointing in some ways because it kind of intellectually, you know, I, I understand that a gender pay gap exists, but it was wild to me to see it so kind of starkly in the data for so many countries. Uh, and I think you mentioned, um, you know, depends on the country, right? So it looks like in the Netherlands, there is uh, less or almost no uh, gender pay gap. But in Canada, there's actually quite a substantial uh, gender pay gap. Um, so, for example, even though we had 42 respondents who identified as women, the average salary was 82,000 um, US dollars a year. So we had asked folks for annual base salary in US dollars. And there were 25 men who replied and the average salary was 100,000 um, US dollars a year. So that's a almost, you know, almost 20% pay gap um, on average in this Canadian data set. And that pattern is kind of replicated across lots of different countries and uh, seems to be quite persistent even when you filter for things like position or experience. Like let's only look at um, people with X number of years of experience, or let's only look at these positions. So yeah, the, the gender pay gap is alive and well in our data set, it would seem. And what I find interesting and so fun about this uh, data set is uh, it allows you to get a more nuanced view because uh, I think it was in the UK when I was playing around with the data around uh, the gender gap. When you look at the overall picture, there is uh, a salary gap there. But when you uh, make the subfilter to select agency versus in-house, so I was curious, like, is the salary gap bigger at an agency than working in-house? And I think in the UK, working in-house, the salary gap is almost non-existent, and while at agencies is uh, more predominant. So. That's what I like about the way we presented this report is that you can get a more nuanced view and uh, yeah, drill, really drill into this data. Yeah. And I think something you already reminded folks of that is a good reminder is it is helpful to also always keep in mind what's the number of respondents. So our charts do show you how many people is this um, this data point kind of based around um, because the smaller that number of respondents, the smaller the pool, the less reliable that data is, right? So I, yeah. I do think it's important, especially since this is kind of our, our first iteration to just keep that lens as you review it. Uh, this isn't the kind of be all end all, um, it's one data set. But uh, yeah, super interesting to dig into those patterns and uh, interesting to play around with how does that uh, gender pay gap show up? We also saw something interesting uh, emerge around job titles, right? Yeah, this one was fascinating. Um, I think you brought this one to our attention kind of early on as we were doing some data crunching. And so it appears that in, in most cases, having 
service designer explicitly in your title means that you get paid less. So this was fascinating. Yeah, it's uh, it's a bizarre, bizarre thing, especially when you consider that this is a service design salary survey. <laughs> yeah. Now, maybe we need to tell a little bit about the backstory. How is it even possible that people who don't have a service design title responded to this, um, to the survey? Yeah, totally. So this was something you and I kind of talked long and hard about and, and agonized a little bit about the right way to approach it, right? And so we know that there's lots of folks out there who are doing service design work or may identify with service design as a practice um, who don't have explicitly a service designer title. At the same time, we really wanted to make sure that we were collecting kind of as specific um, and as, I suppose, niche in a way service design data as possible in order to be hopefully maximally helpful, right? To have actually a very specific data set targeted at service design. So the way we ended up sort of um, approaching this was that, um, you know, the survey was really open to anyone to respond. And then we asked people about the job title that most closely matches uh, their current title. So we did have service designer in there. And then we had a range of sort of similar titles, things like, um, you know, customer experience designer, um, you know, director of design, things like that, as well as people could input uh, their own sort of other category. So it was really interesting to see what came back. Um, and I think on the most part, actually, we had slightly less service designers um, across the whole data set. Yeah, yeah. We had slightly less uh, people with a service design thing in their uh, in their job title. Uh, again, I'm looking uh, at an example from the UK here, and the UK, um, the situation is different. Like there were uh, 79 people who identified, uh, who said that they have a service design title, while 36 had something else. Um, I think in a country like the United States, the situation is completely different. So maybe, maybe that also says something about the adoption or maturity of service design as a practice in your country, right? Totally. When I look at the Canadian data, we've got, you know, roughly a 40-60 split of 40% sort of service design titles and 60% other. Um, and what is really fascinating to kind of go back to the original piece was it does look like uh, folks with service design titles get paid less. Uh, which is really fascinating. And uh, I know, you know, this is sort of our hypotheses about why that might be. But we were having a conversation, I think, with someone on LinkedIn and saying, well, maybe it's to do with, you know, market maturity um, and the number of, of senior job titles that have service design in, in the title. Um, if it's less well adopted, less well understood, uh, perhaps that has an influence on that that pay that we're seeing manifest when you sort by job title. I think, uh, I haven't tried it yet, but I think we could extract from the data set uh, uh, what the job titles are for people who have, let's say, 10 year plus experience. So um, probably people with 10 year plus experience, I, I'm expecting that they would have that we would see less service design titles there. And I would expect the 10 year plus uh, is the highest range, salary range uh, also. So yeah, um, again, yeah. that's the fun thing about this data. It's it's really a matter of coming up with 
hypotheses and questions and then seeing if you can extract that from uh, from the data set. Yeah, and I think a, a kind of secondary piece that might be interesting to folks is we have made the most used job titles list available in the report. So if you're curious about what job titles people have in your country, you can go to the report, filter by your country, um, and then you can see that list. So when I look at the Canadian one, um, We've got, even though there was that sort of 60-40 split I was talking about, where only about 40% of people had service design titles, um, the most popular title uh, by count is still service design. And then that other 60% is spread across quite a wide range of different job titles. And it's interesting to look at that list, right? We've got innovation designer, business designer, um, you know, design strategist, um, organizational designer. So I think this is also really fascinating to look at what are people calling themselves? Yeah, and uh, I was thinking, if you are looking for a job, uh, then this is a great resource to also uh, see which job titles might be relevant for you. Because uh, again, somebody who calls, them, um, calls themselves an organizational designer apparently feels enough associated with service design to fill in a survey uh, on salary. So um, I, I just checked the entire data set and there are 84 uh, different titles in the set. So again, if you're looking for a job, uh, there are 84 other options you might want to investigate. Yeah. It makes me laugh too, because I think it's a little bit this constant issue we have in design of semantics and agreeing on titles and agreeing on words. And I think our data set shows us that we, we definitely have not converged at any kind of consensus or alignment. And there's still quite a wide distribution of, of titles and language. And I guess it's the like, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet, right? It's a service designer by any other title still does great work or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, anything else that you noticed in the data that you find found interesting, uh, surprising? Mm -hmm. We're also talking about this. Sometimes there, there just aren't that many surprises. It's just, uh, it's just data. Uh, yeah. It's true. I mean, again, you kind of talk about what does it look like when you drill down. So something I noticed this morning when I was, you know, prepping for this chat um, in the, again, Canadian data set. So I kind of took the lens of, OK, let's look at Canada since that's where I'm living and working. Um, but something that was really interesting was when you looked at average yearly salary based on work experience, the six to 10 year range actually has a slightly higher average annual salary at $109,000 um, US um, compared to 10 plus years ha came out an, at an average of $101,000 um, hmm. US. So I thought this was really, really fascinating because you would sort of think that there was a relationship between years of experience and how much folks are paid. Now, again, these aren't massive data sets, so you know, who knows? Uh, and I think someone on LinkedIn also pointed out the kind of um, limitations of using the average as, as the measure. But uh, I thought this was really fascinating, mm. right? So you can see these kind of interesting patterns when you look at it. Well, you know, does years of experience have, have a big difference? It, it, does that sort of correlation look the way you expect? And sometimes it doesn't. Mm. Yeah, and, and then uh, questions arise like, uh, why and that's those are things we can't find in the data set, but those are definitely things that 
we're already thinking about for next year, like uh, the surprises that come up and the questions that arise, how could we uh, incorporate them in um, the survey for next year? Because of course there's going to be a survey next year. What are some other learnings that we took away from doing this first minimal viable survey? Yeah, this, this is so fascinating and almost this is kind of my favorite part of it because it was such a fun experience to, to try to do this together and to work with a quantitative data set, which is something, you know, I have less experience with and, and do less often. Um, but back to your question. Yeah. What did we learn? So, you know, I think one of the things that was fascinating to me was we had a bit of a hypothesis that folks may not feel comfortable inputting their actual specific salary. But actually, we heard time and time again um, from folks uh, that we, we had given ranges so people could identify which salary kind of range or bracket they fell into. And we heard time and time again, no, you know, I want more granular data. I want more specific data. I want to actually input my my specific salary. So I think this was a great um, test of our hypothesis. And it looks like there's openness to actually input specific base salary, which is great learning for next time. Yeah. And and uh, this uh, we should this is a prototype, but maybe we should have prototyped that as well. Right. This is an, <laughs> yeah. this is an assumption that at least I also made like uh, giving ranges would uh, would make things easier for people. But um, yeah, apparently people are totally okay with giving a specific number uh, around their salary. So that's definitely something we're going to incorporate next year. One other thing that a lot of people commented on was um, including benefits. So we got a lot of responses about, uh, yeah, this is my base salary, but then I receive so many bonuses or I get travel expenses covered or so... Um, yeah, we learned that uh, showing showing benefits um, would also be beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. I think that it came through uh, very strongly in the in the feedback around wanting to understand compensation more holistically. To your point, so what are benefits? What about pension? What about other perks? Um, so I guess the our sort of annual base salary was a bit of a blunt instrument, perhaps. But there's definitely curiosity about what are some other other perks and we even I think had some folks say you know I'm curious about hours worked and like I want to understand the salary in relation to things like sort of quality of life or how much are you working and so you know there's so many different places you could kind of take it right yeah yeah we can add so much more nuance to uh, to this data set next year and I think we started off with just seven questions this year uh, I wouldn't be surprised if next year it goes something 20, 25 questions. <laughs> yeah, just just to uh, add uh, the nuance, uh, even more details to the to the data set. Yeah, and we did also hear from some people, you know, curiosity about other intersecting aspects of identity. And, you know, we focused this this iteration on, you know, gender and the kind of gender pay gap. Um, but we heard people curious about level of education, age, you know, race and ethnicity, things like that. And so, again, um, there's additional context that we could potentially gather that would give us some of that nuance. I think uh, that's uh, that's the right word, context, uh, because the more context you have, the more uh, the more meaning you can actually get out of the data. One thing I wish uh, we would have added this year and which we should should definitely add next year is context around 
um, like how what type of organization do you work at and um, which what is your role within uh, that uh, uh, organization because mm -hmm. you might have two years of formal service design uh, experience but you might have been within the company for 10 years in a different role and just transition to service design or you might be somebody who's doing service design for two years but you might be leading a team because that's what you were doing in your previous role and i that would that would add a lot of uh, yeah perspective to to this data set yeah, and I think that's honestly one of the challenges of trying to do this type of survey in a very emergent um, and changing sort of domain or space, right? It's There's less um, clear steps and clear career progression than when you think about, you know, I guess the thing that comes to mind for me is sort of something like accounting or, you know, where there's much more, I think, clearly defined and linear career paths. Um, so it does feel like it's quite amorphous and hard to pin down some of those pieces you've talked about because often people are transitioning from a different context or um, because we don't always have clearly defined levels. We don't always have clearly defined frameworks to talk about what's the difference between a, a senior and a lead or a director and a, you know, so on and so forth. So um, you can go deep down that rabbit hole, I think. And that's maybe uh, another survey, like trying to understand what career paths in service design look like. Where do people come from? Where do they go? Uh, how much time does that take? But that's uh, that's a different that's a different survey. <laughs> yeah, totally. The other one I think that we talked a bit about, and we we did gather some data on, but um, I think we had the sort of smallest pool of respondents who identified as you know freelance or independent. Um, and there's definitely appetite for, you know, information on daily and hourly rates for freelance or independent service designers. How are uh, those folks charging? Um, and I think in this data set, it's very small, but definitely sparked the idea for me of is there a, is there a whole survey dedicated to just that? Or, you know, what does that look like? I think especially as um, the market matures a little bit and there is more room for folks to be doing this work on contract or independent. And uh, maybe the COVID situation has created even more freelancers and uh, people working uh, remotely. Uh, so that's also for, I'm already looking forward to next year uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, that will also be interesting to see um, the progression. Like, uh, will there be more respondents? And if so, how does the data look? Um, yeah, so trying to spot early patterns. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that came through really kind of strongly in, in the feedback or the, I guess, like a, a learning was the gratitude and the thank you. And that was really lovely, uh, you know, for me to see in the comments, the amount of folks who said, thank you for doing this. It's so great to see this happening. I've been waiting for something like this. I just dealt with this problem while changing jobs. You know, it's so hard to, to have an idea about service design salaries because it's a comparatively new um, career path. So that was really exciting, I think, to see the appetite, not only to kind of re respond to the survey, but also to share it and to get it out there, because we're really, you know, relying on people passing this on and sharing it within their communities. Uh, the, the bigger the data set, you know, hopefully the more reliable the data is. So that was exciting to me. And, you know, it feels nice when you do something like this and people say thanks, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, uh... 
we're eventually we're doing this to contribute to the community and um when you experience that the community is valuing this then uh yeah then that's yeah. nice um yeah and you, actually mark yeah, yeah go this, ahead. this reminds me maybe we should also you know also say our thank yous there were folks who helped us right along the way so we had folks from um the UXRC team who chatted with us about their experience running a salary survey and UXRC us- is user experience research community right that is correct yeah thanks um you know so that was awesome so shout out to kyle who took time to talk to me about you know what he's learned running a salary survey and i think prevented some pitfalls you know i hadn't thought about things around quantitative data like how do we standardize um the data that's coming in um to make it easier for us to analyze out the other side you know even simple small things like how do we make sure people are inputting salaries in the same format right and and so we solved this in this case with the ranges um and then also shout out to spencer who did a really uh robust proofread for for us which was awesome and you know so loads of people contributed to this effort and to making it happen and yeah it was it was cool it was like community effort right a co-creation right that's uh i think uh, at least we try to practice what we preach in, on some levels prototyping co-creation uh yeah, yeah. so true yeah, yeah. I, w- I would invite people once again, if you're listening to this uh, to this episode, to this special episode of the podcast and you are interested to um, seeing the salary report, check it out, servicedesignjobs.com slash salary report. Um, and let us know, what did you find in the data set? Uh, because there are so many filters and lenses you can uh, take on. Um, there's a comment section uh, in the article. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, um, let us know what you found or let us know what your ideas for next year for next year are. Yeah, yeah, we're excited to keep, I think, the dialogue going. We've gotten some great um, conversation, you know, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And as Mark said, this was kind of our minimum viable survey. So we're very open to feedback and kind of room to improve for for next iterations. And we've already learned some things from people's comments, you know, around thinking about, for example, average versus median. Um, So yeah, let us know. What do you find? What do you think we should do? How can we make this even better next year? Lynn, if people want to reach out to you directly and uh, chat about the report, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm fairly active on Twitter, so that's always a great place to to kind of ping me. Um, My handle is at Witster, W-I-T-T-S-T-E-R. Or our email addresses are also on the salary report page. We're pretty easy to find. So, you know, feel free to reach out over email if that works better. Awesome. Um, Thanks for jumping on to this call for this special episode of the Service Design Show podcast. Uh, We'll uh, great fun doing this salary report uh, with you, Lynn. Yeah, thank you, Mark. It was such a fun collaboration. I'm so glad we made this happen. And hopefully this is something that's going to help people out there, um, you know, who are curious about service design, who are negotiating a job, whatever it might be. Uh, so I'm stoked that we made it happen. This uh, brings us almost to the end of this episode uh, with a... Like I said, a special episode next week. Uh, we'll be back with a regular interview. And it's going to be someone who's been on the show uh, before. So we're going to uh, do a series of people who uh, 
who are returning to the show. It's going to be about the topic of design systems for services or service design systems. It's a super fun topic, super interesting, uh, really nice interview. So uh, stick around for next week. For now, uh, thanks for listening to the Service Design Show. It was great having you. Have a great day and keep making a positive impact.